Welcome to Kingdom Living Ministries, where our vision is knowing God, loving people, and making disciples. We trust this week's message will be a blessing to your life. Enjoy the teaching ministry of KLM. Good morning. Good morning. Oh, my mic is on. Okay. Well, thank you so much, PD, for that wonderful introduction. Thank you for all that you do for this house. And uh, congratulations to you and Courtney for your anniversary. It was your anniversary. <laughs> okay, all right, all right. Okay, so good morning, everybody. As PD mentioned, this will be my first time preaching in front of a live studio audience. So bear with me, thank you. We are all a family, right? We're all family, right? Okay, so. We've been going over spiritual disciplines throughout this year. We've touched upon so many, and I'm going to talk about the spiritual discipline of fellowship. So the message that I have for today is fellowship and the ministry of unity. Okay, let us, let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this wonderful time of fellowship. Thank you for bringing us together to be able to worship and give glory to your name. Uh, may I decrease so that you can increase in me. May your word go forth. May people not see me, but see you through me, God. And may their hearts be prepared for the word that you will have today. And may we be ready, all of us be ready to receive what it is that you have to say, what you have said, and what you will be saying to us. Make us ready, Lord. We are ready for you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. amen. Okay, so we're going to talk about fellowship. I wanted to briefly go to now the the entire bible really mainly the new testament he's already laughing at me <laughs> is it because of the long title but um the new testament really talks about fellowship but it doesn't specifically say well like this is what fellowship is because this is kind of like what the first century church did in in order to stay together and and keep the word and advance the gospel but I'm going to talk about what fellowship is. And first I wanted to talk about Philippians 1. This is a scripture that I read and ran across, one of many that I said really encompassed what fellowship is or should be. Philippians 1, verse 27. And I'll be reading that from the ESV version. And the verse, and I lost the verse. This is Paul speaking. Actually, this is Paul writing. He's writing from jail to the church of Philippi. He says, let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ so that whether I come and see you or I am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. That's essentially what fellowship is. I'll read it again. That I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. And a demonstration of this is in Acts 2. There are a few demonstrations of it, but one of the most popular demonstrations of this is in Acts 2, 
verses 42 through 47. And I'll read that to you very briefly. It, uh, again, talking about the first century church, it says that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day, every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Doesn't that sound like a wonderful example of fellowship? Doesn't that sound like something we would really want to start doing today? But we can't be in everybody's houses every day, can we? But uh, to, to go more into what fellowship is, I decided to explore the Greek terms. Um, and there is a family of Greek terms that really speak to what fellowship is, popularly known as koinonia. Koinonia is a noun. It is the it is fellowship. It is close association between persons, emphasizing what is common between them. Participation, sharing, contribution. And the Greek verb koinoneo means to fellowship because fellowship is not just a noun, it is an action. And it means to share in, to participate, to contribute. Koinonos, and I don't know if I'm saying these right because I'm not Greek, but koinonos is referring to the one who fellowships. So not just that fellowship is happening, but that there are people who fellowship. So it refers to the sharer. It refers to the partner, the participant, the one who joins in another in some enterprise or activity, in business or in ministry. And the last word I'm going to talk about is koinonoikos which is an adjective only used once in the Bible, but it speaks to the person's willingness to share, the willingness to be generous, the readiness to contribute. So it speaks to your motivation, like back in Acts 2, where it said they broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts. That spoke to their motivation, right? But some of us are willing, but we're not really able or we think we're not able. But what I want to submit to you today is if you have the willingness, then God will make you able. So leave that to him. So fellowship, why is it a discipline? Does it seem like we got to be disciplined to go hang out with our friends, to go and get drinks, coffee, <laughs> and to go and go bowling or go to the Super Bowl game? Like, does it seem like we need to be disciplined to do that? That kind of sounds like fun. Right? If you're an extrovert, maybe. If you're an introvert, maybe not. But let's talk a little bit about the difference, the significant difference between friendship and fellowship. What the Bible says is that light cannot fellowship with darkness, or else we accept their motives as our own. So, to put it plainly, we can be friends with anybody, but we can't fellowship with just anybody. We can only fellowship with those who are in the light. We can only fellowship with those who have been converted. And I'm talking about biblical fellowship. So we can only fellowship with those people. Now, we could be friends with people who are not, of, you know, who are not saved. We, I'm not going to tell you who to be friends with. I'll tell you that the Bible says bad company corrupts good character. However, 
we can be a demonstration to those who are not of the who are not of the faith. But primarily, fellowship can only happen between those who are saved. Okay, or else we are contributing to the 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 motive of those who are not saved. Wow. So we very briefly, you know, we very lightly talk about, oh, we just go fellowship, blah, blah, blah. But we have to be mindful of who we are fellowshipping with. So why, again, why is it a discipline? Because the person you like or don't like is still someone that Jesus came to save. And that may be why you have trouble fellowshipping with certain people, because you're not friends with them. It's easy to fellowship with people you're friends with. It's easy to fellowship with people that your homies with, that you could go and go bowling with and then every now and then say, hey, can I pray with you for anything? Like, that's easy. But what about people who you don't have all these commonalities with? Can you still fellowship with them? And the answer is yes, but it's a discipline. And we have to keep in mind the original definition of fellowship, which is striving together as one for the faith of the gospel, for the advancement of the gospel. Keeping that in mind as opposed to, oh, we just, you know, we like the same things, the same thing that we want to honor and give glory to is God. Uh, Philippians, back to Philippians 1, Paul says, this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. We will need discernment in order to manage our relationships. Because not everybody that calls themselves a Christian is somebody you could fellowship with. It's, unfortunately, it's just, it's just the way that it is. So in all relationships, in all your friendships, in all the people who you fellowship with, people who you're working with, people who you are spoused up with, booed up with, in all of your relationships, you will need God's discernment. Amen. God will tell you who's in there for life and who's in there for a season. God will tell you all of that. So you cannot have fellowship with worldly people, even people who love Jesus so much, but you are continually practicing sin. You can't have fellowship with them. It just can't be done. Scoffers following their own ungodly passions. It's these people who cause divisions, worldly people who are devoid of the spirit. So what are some other hindrances? Why is, is fellowship a discipline? Well, we endured this thing called a pandemic. We had some issues where we could not come together anymore. The church is closed. Business is closed. McDonald's was still open, but church is closed. And I just want to say I stand by PD and Courtney and everything that they did to protect this house during the heat of the pandemic. We closed, but we still had services online, and that's what had to be done. We had to stand by our shepherd, and that's what we do. And unfortunately, a lot of Christians and Christian organizations showed their behind during this pandemic because they said, well, we, we're not gonna close down. We just, we have to stay together. We're the church, and it's just the devil trying to come against. Okay, 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 but now, because you broke the law, your pastor's in jail, and now, you're <laughs> now your congregation is without no pastor. You smite the shepherd, you scatter the sheep. So, so what happens is we started to idolize the physical coming together, and what we really ultimately should be doing is cultivating rich 
fellowship qualities that will endure times of separation. Looking at what Paul did, Paul didn't stop just because he was in jail and he was in jail a lot. He wrote a whole bunch of letters and look, we got a, a majority of the New Testament because he did not forsake fellowship and he did not let the fact that he was in jail stop receiving the messages that he received and sending the messages that he sent. So again, we have to cultivate rich fellowship qualities that will endure times of separation. Just like KLM demonstrated. We're here now. I mean, this was just a season, you know? Amen. Amen to that. So what are some other things that hinder fellowship? Some people are socially awkward. <laughs> I'm very socially awkward. I'll tell you about sometimes the worst part of being in a church service is when the pastor would say, turn to your neighbor. I'm like, oh, no, because nine times out of ten, the person sitting next to me, I didn't know. So I turned to your neighbor, and the worst part would be if the person on my right looked to the right, and the person on my left looked to the left. Yeah. It's turn to your neighbor, now nobody's looking at you. Right. You're just sitting there and just, right. you just look stupid, right? Like, you just, all right. But then, then the pastor would say, say what? Turn to your other neighbor? So now they're both looking at you. Now you look like the jerk, like if you pick this one, it's like, oh, why didn't you look at me? So yeah, I had some issues of social awkwardness. And a lot of us are like introverts or extroverts, and a lot of us are just not comfortable being around other people, but that could hinder, that could come in, that could come against some of our fellowship. Another thing that could come against fellowship is hurt. Because unfortunately, we hurt each other. We are imperfect people. And sometimes the hurt really, is, is worse when it comes from somebody that we don't expect it to come from. Yeah. It's like, oh, you're a Christian. You shouldn't be hurting me. Don't you serve the same God? And we let that hurt fester and we don't treat it. So sometimes we just back off and it's like, well, you can't tell everybody your dream. Look at what they did to Joseph. And that was his family. But at the same time, we have to deal with that hurt so that it doesn't hinder our fellowship. That's why the Bible says to confess your sins to one another, not just to confess that, oh, I stole something from Walmart last week, but to confess. That wasn't a confession, by the way. That was just a hypothetical, hypothetical situation. Okay? Right? <laughs> but we have to confess what we did to other people who are in the faith and be willing to receive it when someone else says, I'm sorry for doing you wrong. Those are tough conversations to have that sometimes we'd just rather not have. We'd rather just say, oh, you know what, just forget you. I'm not even going to talk to you no more. And then what happens? Division, separation. We're supposed to be able to come together and deal with that hurt. We're not supposed to be the ones hurting each other. But hey, look at what they did to Jesus. So it's, it's going to happen. But we have to have ways to deal with our trauma, to deal with things that have hurt us. Also... We talk a lot about self-care, which is good. We're here for self-care. I mean, Cleveland preached the, the, the house down about go ahead and get your rest. Go ahead, go to the spa. Go ahead and do what you got to do. That's good. But everything is about balance. So fellowship is also about balance. It's, you know, solitude is also a spiritual discipline. But you have to know when to go into solitude and when to go out there and be with your people. So instead of self-care, what about community care? Where's that? Yeah. <laughs> so also, uh, so, some things that also hinder fellowship is these things, electronics. 
Why I got it up here? I should just put it down, right? <laughs> talk about Facebook and social media and oh, it's just the worst. Like it has literally dumbed down the definition of community and relationship and friendship as just, just by a like. Oh, I got 5,000 friends on my Facebook, but I wouldn't take a bullet for, for like 1% of them maybe. I wouldn't let some of them in my house. Most people, I don't even know what you look like because your Facebook profile picture is of a llama. So like, you know what I'm saying? Like it just, so <laughs> electronics, they, if we rely on that, that doesn't help us cultivate rich, quality fellowship relationships. Like, so it's, you can use it, it's good. You know, we have our, our Women of KLM group, and I love that, and I'm always talking in it, and I'm always, you know, telling my life, but you know, not to everybody. I remember Minister Angel, sorry, Dr. Wyndham said that, uh, she, 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 she hit me up one day and she was like, you're saying too much on Facebook. You need to pull that back. And I said, uh, I said, who she thinks she is telling me on my, and so I was real petty about it. And I was just like, thank you, Minister Angel. And then, so I started posting the next week and I hid her so she couldn't see any of my posts. <laughs> Don't say nothing to me, but you know what? She was right. And so like eventually once I got over the initial hurt, so I love you. You see, like, that's what we have to be able to do. We have to be able to, fe fellowship is not just saying the good stuff to each other. There's a little bit of rebuking that comes into that. Paul rebuked a lot of the people he was in fellowship with, right? We have to be able to receive that from one another in love. And she did that in love. And I never forgot that. And since then, I have, t I have tamed my Facebook, okay? It is tamed. <laughs> And I keep, well, no, it's good. It's a good thing. It is a good thing. But one of the things I see on Instagram, I'm going to talk about this and we'll move on. One of the things I see on Instagram are like testimonies and stuff from people. Like it's deliverance services and people's like, oh, John, he hasn't, he hasn't gone out of his wheelchair in 17 years. But now he's here and look at him. He's running around the church. Amen for John. And I look at it and I'm like, is that supposed to? mean something to me? I feel bad because I'm like, oh, I'm, 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 am I a witness here? Am I witnessing the work of God here? Or am I just like, I don't know John from a can of spray paint. How am I supposed to really celebrate with him? If I didn't walk with him when he couldn't walk. So like, I, I, so I see a lot of those videos and unfortunately they just kind of make me sad. Just me, I'm just talking about me. I'm being real up here, okay? They make me kind of sad because I wasn't with you in the valley, so I, the mountaintop is not, it's not, it's not doing it for me. Wow. It's just not, it just doesn't, okay, good. But you know, I'm gonna pick on Dr. Wyndham again because she wasn't always Dr. Wyndham. And a lot of us remember when she started school a lot of us remember that, and she was so transparent and open, and she would ask us to pray for her, pray for favor for the teachers, and make, that this paperwork would go through and help me to remember. So we were there, you know, kind of with her, probably not as closely as Mrs. Frank, but we were there with her. We got a little bit of a glimpse of some of the valleys that she had to endure in order to get that PhD. So every time I get a chance to blow up her spot, I blow it up because she's a doctor now. You know, when she wins, we win. That's what, that's what fellowship is, Amen. right? Thank you for letting me do that, Dr. Wyndham. <laughs> Another thought is that I think about cessationists and how they may actually believe in the spiritual gifts and
advocacy and healings if they were in fellowship with people who were able to have those things demonstrated in the church or else they wouldn't be a cessationist. It's just a thought. It's just a thought. We need to come to get, we need to be here in order to do that, right? So I want to talk about unity. So unity is something that ministers unto God, it ministers unto us, and it ministers unto those who are not in the body. And these things are important. Why is it important to minister unto God? Because it's what we're here to do. It's what we were created to do. Hebrews 13 and 16, it says, And do not forget to do good and to share with others, for with such sacrifices God is pleased. So this is a way that we can please God with our unity and with our fellowship. Hebrews 6 and 10 says, God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown him as you have helped his people and continue to help them. That's why I don't understand why I do understand, but I don't get why people is like, it's just me and God. It's just me and God. I don't go to church. You know, it's, it's just me and God. But we're his family. You're a part of his family. You're a part of his family. You're a part of... We're all family. So imagine if somebody comes up in my house and they treat me with all the respect and they disrespect my husband or they don't want to deal with my children. Get up out my house. No, no, no. We family. We are family. So that's what we're... So it's like, oh, it's just me and God, but I don't want to deal with all the people that you love. I just want to deal with you and me. There's error in that. There's error in that. God is a relational God. God is a relational God. He's transcendent. I know we always say he sits high and he, and he looks low. And that's true from a positional standpoint, but not all, totally from a coordinate standpoint. Like, cause he's right here. He's here. He's right here. God, God, even in the Old Testament, he did so much to be with his people, right? He was the pillar. He was the cloud. He was in the Ark of the Covenant. He wanted to be with his people. God is relational. Did you know that relationship and fellowship existed prior to space, matter, and time? Because of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It's a, it's a tiny hypothesis, but that's why I say sometimes you get together with people and then you, there's a period of time where you don't sp to talk to them and then after like six months you come back and you didn't skip a beat yeah. Yeah, yeah. because relationships aren't bound to time unless we bind it to time. <laughs> Same thing goes with healing, but I'm not going to talk about that. <laughs> so Emmanuel, God with us. So God is, so I'm a friend of God. You're a friend of God. Are you in fellowship with him? We'll throw that out there. And so Romans 15 and 7 also says, remember, we're ministering unto God now with our unity. He says, accept one another then as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. So you can show your thankfulness. You can please God. You can praise God simply just with your unity, just with being together in fellowship. Fellowship also... Unity also ministers unto the body. Okay, it ministers to us. A lot of times we're like, we got to go out there and we got to talk to the, but we need help too. Everybody in here needs help. I need help. Y'all need, well, we all need help. We need each other. 
We, when we help each other, we're helping God's people. Remember, we're a family. I'd like to say if I fall, I don't fall alone. Yeah. That's in Ecclesiastes yeah. 4 verse 10, 4 verse 9 and 10. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. Real simple, right? You know, that's why the Bible says don't be unequally yoked. Not just in relationships. We always say, oh, that's, you know, boyfriend, girlfriend stuff. But that's in all relationships because we are all striving together as one for the faith of the gospel. And we don't want to be yoked with somebody who does not have any intention on advancing the gospel. That means you're yoked with a social loafer and it's slowing you down. It's not going to speed you up. It's going to slow you down. Verse 10, for if one falls down, his companion can lift him up. But pity the one who falls without another to help him up. You remember those Life Alert commercials? Yeah. Uh-huh. I'm falling and I can't get up. <laughs> like, I, and as a kid, I used to crack up at those commercials. Those commercials were wild. But in hindsight, that's terrible if you fall down by yourself. That's awful. If nobody else there is there, you could literally die if you fall by yourself. That's why we need to be checking up on each other. Just look at your situation right now. Just look at how you're living your life. If you were, if, forgive me, if you were to die today, who would know? That's right. How long would you be in your house before somebody found you? That's why we need to check up on each other. We should not fall alone. And the worst part is, sometimes it's a Christian who knocked us over. And even worse than that, sometimes it's somebody who's not in the body who picks that person back up. It's like, wait, where are all your friends at? Why are they not here? Where's all your people from the church? Your pastor's not here. Well, that's why I don't go to church. That's why I'm not a Christian. Boom, seed planted. Boom, seed water. Just like that. People don't dive out of the religion. They drift. They drift. There should be no division in the body. No division. Remember, if you cut off any other part of the body, it dies. Cut the finger off. Is the finger going to survive if you just throw it on the floor? It's dead. Well, you got like a small window due to modern medical miracles. You got a small window before you can attach that finger back. You know, but then there's a whole lot of things that have to be in place. You got to put it in ice. You got to, but the point is, if you cut your hair off, the hair's not going to grow. It's dead. Anything apart from the body is dead. Any vine, any branches apart from the vine, severed from the vine, dead. Spiritually dead, physically dead, dead. 1 Corinthians 12, 25 and 26 says, So that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. Equal concern for each other. So this is this church and this is the church at large. We need to have equal concern for each other. Not just the people we cool with. We need to have equal concern for each other because we are all one body. So even the people you don't like, not just your best friends. If one part suffers, we all suffer. Imagine if you stubbed your toe and I screamed. If one person suffers, we all suffer. But if one person wins, we all win. Right? Then we got, if someone says, is there a doctor in the house? We got, we got another one right here. 
because we all win. That's why when Dr. Winder became a doctor, so did I. I'm a doctor now too. <laughs> kidding, kidding, joking. But you understand now she will be able to give her doctor privileges to us and we will compensate her for that because that's what we do. Um, so imagine if you break your arm. Ashley broke her arm, let's just say. Hypothetical, again, Ashley breaks her arm. Ashley, what happens if you break your arm? Where are you gonna go right there after that? Hospital, let's go get your arm fixed, right? You're not gonna just your arm off, put it in a box somewhere and go ship it to the hospital. The entire body has to go, even though the only thing that needs to be treated is the arm. So the eyes got to go, the hands got to go, the feet got to go, we all got to go. Imagine if every time Ashley did something, <laughs> I'm just picking on you, Ashley, but imagine every time Ashley did something, we all had to go with her. Just imagine that. Wouldn't we be all over Ashley? Like, don't you go down them stairs all quick. Hold on that railing. <laughs> like, but imagine if we were so close-knit, if we were that tight, if we really recognized ourselves as the body, how beneficial that would be. Because what if she didn't see how slippery them stairs were? Somebody had her back. <laughs> Am I, making, am I making any sense? <laughs> Amen. Amen. So we have to exhort and encourage one another so that none of us will be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Because sin is very deceitful. And sin is just crouching, like just waiting for who to attack, right? And so like if, if somebody leaves the pack, if a wolf leaves the pack, you're going to go for the one who's not in the pack. That's how, that's how it works. So stay in the pack, stay in the family, Amen. stay in the fellowship. Amen. Fellowship is the mark of a true Christian, says the Bible. It is a mark of a true Christian. One of the marks. Romans 12 and 13, contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Which is funny because Paul is talking to Christians about other Christians and to serve other Christians. We tend to think that we just have to serve everybody who's not in the faith, but we have to serve each other. David talked about it as, as, a, as a discipline. We have to serve each other, each other, each other. We are a body when I win, you win. Finish this sentence. Distance makes the heart grow. Does it? Does it? Sometimes distance can make the body grow colder <laughs> or the heart grow colder. There's a reason why solitary confinement is a punishment. Galatians 6.10 says, sorry, David, for all the scriptures. Galatians 6.10 says, let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people especially to those who belong to the family of believers, especially to your family, should be. Especially to us, because we need it. Like, we're VIPs, y'all. Like, we don't treat people who are not in the faith badly, but we're VIP. Oh, you a Christian? Come right this way. That's how it, ideally it, it could be, or it, it should be. A lot of people talk about how fellowship is, is giving. We talked a lot about giving and and service and you know, dealing with other people. But fellowship, if somebody is giving, then somebody is receiving. Amen. So we can't just always see it as, oh, I'm depleting myself, I'm depleting myself. You should be getting when you are in fellowship. You should also be receiving. This should be reciprocal. 
And sometimes we look at it, it's like, oh, I gotta, I gotta give so much. But you should be receiving. And if you're not, you need to take a look at your relationships and see why it is that you're now. We, I'm not saying that you're in it to get something out of it. That's not what I'm saying. But God is saying you should be getting something out of it. So fix your mindset. So instead of saying, I'm always giving, I'm always giving. If you're giving, somebody's receiving. It could be you. And it has been me. <laughs> Praise God. Iron sharp iron. Okay? If you tend the fig tree, eat the fruit. That's scripture. Proverbs 13 and 20. He who walks with wise men will be wise. But we got to walk with each other in order, in order to, to, to get that. Okay? The companion of fools will suffer harm. Think, if you, if you ever uh, need a reminder about fellowship, think about the Lord's Prayer. What is the first word of the Lord's Prayer? Our. Our. Just, just think about it. You, now, there's a time to personalize it. There was a time to say, my father, my daddy. There's a time for that, which is why fellowship is a spiritual discipline, because it's about balance. It's about knowing when to be amongst the people and knowing when to rest, knowing when to get that solitude. Balance. I'm not saying you got to be in people's faces all the time. But some of us could stand to be in some other people's faces, maybe six feet apart, but still a little bit more often. Our fellowshipping will help us pick the wolves out among the sheep. Amen. Amen. We'll be able to look at each other like, mm. Mm. Okay, so fellowship ministers unto God, ministers unto us, and ministers to those who are not in the body. By them seeing us united, we're ministering to them. Yes, amen. So I was reminded of when Jesus was praying for the disciples in John 17, verse 15. He prayed for the disciples, and then he prayed for all believers. He prayed for you. He prayed for me. He prayed for us, people who will come after us, who will become a believer. In John 17, 15, he says, my prayer, specifically for the disciples, he says, my prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. And the point here that I want to emphasize is he didn't want to take them out of the world. They needed to be in it to be an influence to those who did not know Jesus. He didn't want them up on a mountaintop somewhere, secluded like the monks, so that they could just be protected. No, they had to be in. You gotta be in the game to win it, right? Had to be in there. He says, so he prayed for protection for them because he knew where he had to be. He knew where they had to be. And, like, think about it. Could Jesus have done anything that he did while being in total seclusion? while being in total solitude? Could Jesus have done anything? What if he never came out of the wilderness after he fasted? What if he never came out? It was just like, I'm a chill here, and it's just gonna be me and God. It was, Jesus had me and God before he came to the world. Clearly he came to the world for us. So when Jesus prayed for all the believers, including, that's us, uh, verse 20, John 17, verse 20 through 23, he says, my prayer is not just for the disciples, but I pray also, for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us, why? So that the world may believe that you sent me. If we got it together, and I know I'm not looking for perfection, but if we are united, the world will see that. 
because what, what the world is seeing right now is, is, not, is, not, is not great. But if we can come together and start loving one another the way that we are called to do so and fellowship, the world will see that. The world will take notice. In verse 22, he says, I've given them the glory that you gave me so that they may be one as we are one. He's talking to God. I and them and you and me so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. That sounds like a causal relationship. He said, I and them and you and me so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me. So we talk about, we call, we, we, we pray, we pray and we're like, oh, give us a heart for the lost God. This is one of the ways to reach the lost. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. mm -hmm. It's the fellowship with those who have been found. And the thing that shocked me is that he said, then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. He's talking to God. So God loves you with the same love that he loves his son. Amen. Say what? I need to work in this area because I know good and well that I don't love none of y'all as much as I love my children. Amen. I just got to be real. <laughs> I'm going to take a bullet for, for, for Galaxy. I'm going to jump in front of a bus for Genesis, but... I, I can't say I, I can't say I'm a you know jump in front of a Buick for Alfred. <laughs> I'm gonna have all the, the intentions in the world, but like see how quick I can say it for my children <laughs> versus someone who's not my child. This is this is where I need work, okay? But just as a reminder, God loves you as much as he loves his son. So those who are parents, those who are caretakers, y'all understand what that kind of love is. And think of that love. Think if we mimic that love amongst us, we could reverse evangelism because we going out there and trying to tell them about how Jesus is. Imagine if they just looked at us and said, hey, wait a minute, I want to know what that is about going out into the world versus the world actually seeing us for what we could really be, which is a demonstration of the fellowship of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So having said all of that, I wanted to talk about practical steps to engaging in fellowship in a pandemic slash post-pandemic era. I have, I have seven steps or seven, seven ways. Number one, show up. When something is happening at the church, if something has happened with the church, our church, and I'm talking about KLM, if PD got something going on, we got a, we got a Zoom prayer, or we're having midweek mid service, or and it, show up. Come. Make sure that you keep in mind the importance of being in fellowship with one another, because it, it's, it's easy to see that we, we, we're praying for the gifts to manifest. We're praying for the gifts to manifest, right? We're praying for tongues and interpretation and we're praying for healings and we're, we're praying for all of that. Imagine if, if that, all that manifested you home and you did not show up. If nobody showed up, there's no reason for the gifts to come because who is getting the gifts? Number two, show up. <laughs> <laughs> uh -huh. 
it's easy to talk about it, okay? But it, it's hard to be about it. I, I know, I know. Minister Courtney, she was talking about how get on that Zoom call and get off mute, put the baby somewhere, and contribute, right? It's hard. It's hard. But it's not impossible. Remember, God will give you the ability. You just need the willingness. Sometimes he has to fight through your willingness. Number three, show up. <laughs> just come. Just No, seriously, like, just come. Like, I, I wanted to come up with different ways <laughs> that we could, you know, we could Zoom and we could Google Meet and we could Duo and we could, or we could have a bowling night. None of that matters if you don't show up. None of it matters, right? Show up. Number four. Number five. Number six. And number seven. Show up. Show up. Show up. Come. Let God give you discernment, okay? We're not, the Petey and Courtney, they never, they never condemn y'all for not coming. Us, they never condemn us for not coming. You know, they all, oh, we understand, you know, you have stuff you have to do, blah, blah, blah. They're never going to come after you and say, you should have been here. They're never going to do that. They're never going to do that. I'm doing it. <laughs> Show up. Be here. Make church and fellowship a priority. Because you need to give. And how do you practice these spiritual disciplines that we learned about prayer, about worship, about even rest? You can rest together in fellowship. Worship together in fellowship. Reading your word, we do it together in fellowship. This is a demonstration of how God the Father and Jesus the Son and the Holy Spirit are coming together. And you don't want to be a demonstration of that. We we'll talk about praying for the lost. You are the reason. You are the key. We are the key. We are the key. So in closing... Fellowship is a discipline, is it not? Because we don't want to, sometimes we don't want to get out of bed. Right. We, don't, we, don't, we don't want to make that drive. Right. Right. <laughs> There's snow outside, oh my goodness. And you know folks don't know how to drive in New Jersey. Okay. <laughs> there, but we can come up with all these excuses. There will always be an excuse to not fellowship because the enemy is after our fellowship, most times more than our friendships. Wow. Enemy is after fellowship. So the way to combat the enemy is to come together and be that shield. Because that the, the armor doesn't have a back to it, from what I can remember. Got a breastplate and got a, got a belt and got the shoes and the helmet. But why is the back not covered? Because we need to cover each other's backs. That's what we're here for. Okay, I always say if you got kicked in the face, that's your fault. You should have saw that coming. But if you get kicked in the back of the head... Who had your back? Who watching you? Fellowship. Let's do it. Let's show up. Let's show up. Okay. <laughs> All right. Let's let's pray. Let's pray. Thank you, God, for this time of 
Fellowship. Thank you for bringing to our remembrance what it actually is. Thank you for enlightening us with the importance of it and how we can minister to you and to ourselves and to those who are lost, who we are truly calling to come back to you, Father. Thank you for the word going forth and thank you for equipping us and for strengthening us so that we can engage more in fellowship and have those, those wonderful benefits of fellowship that can only come through being in fellowship with those who are other believers. Thank you, God, for those exclusive benefits that don't come from fellowshipping with the world, but fellowshipping with each other. May we never forget, may we always keep it at the front of our minds that we need each other. It's in the house. The things that we need that we're looking for mostly is in the house. The house just needs to be filled and we just need to be in it to show up to get what it is that we need to get in order to advance the gospel. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. That concludes this week's message and thank you very much for listening. For more information about Kingdom Living Ministries, please call us at 732-324-2200 or visit our website at kingdomlivingnj.org. Also, you can write to us by mail at P.O. Box 519, Rancocas, New Jersey, 08073. And lastly, if you would like to partner with this ministry through your prayers or financial support, contact us via email at partners at kingdomlivingnj.org. Our prayer is that this message has encouraged you to live out the kingdom of God daily in your life by your obedience to His Word. God bless you.